Hi, and welcome to Talking to Artists, a casual weekly conversation where artists share their inspirations, process, challenges, and business ideas to give art lovers and aspiring artists a peek behind the curtain. I'm Kate Taylor, full-time Canadian artist and your host today. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, good morning and welcome to another episode of Talking to Artists. We're actually on episode 42 today. And Talking to Artists is really designed to be a casual conversation um, so that artists can understand a little bit more about uh, some of the other things that artists are doing for the business of art. And collectors can get a bit of an understanding of what goes on behind the curtain, which is always kind of fun. So uh, today we're going to be talking to uh, Danielle Paré. Danielle is a, um, a Quebec artist. She does these really beautiful, loose landscape and floral paintings. So I'm really looking forward to talking to her. And I first came across her because uh, I bought a, one of her pieces from the Paula White Diamond Show. And uh, I have it proudly in my cottage, so I'm pretty excited about that. So it looks like Danielle is here, so I'm going to invite her to join. Looking forward to hearing more about her process. I just love buying a piece of art that I really know kind of nothing about. You learn to love it more. Hi, how are you? Hi. Yeah, so I was just saying that, uh, I mean, I'd seen your work around, but then I actually really saw it at the Paula White Diamond Square Foot Show. And so I, uh, I told you I bought one of those pieces because uh, I had just uh, bought our parents, our cottage for my parents. And so it just perfectly fit into the landscape up here. So it's uh, got a proud place of honor by my fireplace. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thrilled about that. <laughs> It's fun. Uh, I got invited by uh, the Paula White Diamond Gallery to participate in that show, and I was very happy about it. And uh, mm -hmm. a lot of pieces uh, sold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she does a good job of uh, curating, collecting pieces that kind of work together, but are all very different, which is really nice. So that you don't feel as an artist, too, that you're kind of, you know, your work was looking like a lot of other people's work. So I think right, everyone right. did well there. Yeah, it was great. I ended up buying four pieces, actually. I kind of went crazy, and I'm like, i got to stop. <laughs> I don't have any more room. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, well, it was a nice opportunity because I've uh, never shown in the uh, Toronto, the greater Toronto area. So or that's in Waterloo. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that was a good, uh, good opportunity. For sure. And so you're based in Gatineau, I think, right? Yeah, Back? Gatineau. Yeah, we're right yeah. across the bridge from Ottawa. Oh, nice. Okay, so pretty close. And so maybe yeah. uh, talk a little bit about maybe your history as a painter. Um, I don't really know anything about you. And so how you got started and what you're doing now. And Right. Um, to know. I've been painting for quite a while. I've started, I started painting in 1988. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I started, I was working uh, in uh, watercolors. And uh, I started showing in uh, 1992. And at that time, I was also invited to teach watercolor. And mm -hmm. uh, I figured, well, I never thought before, is this going to work? So I started teaching and I had young, young babies and things like that. So one thing led to another and I was teaching almost full time. Um, so I did that for quite a few years. Uh, I w worked in watercolors at least 10, 12 years. And uh, then I started getting a niche <laughs> to try something else. So I, I just started playing with acrylics and I've been working in acrylics uh, since then, since around uh, 2000. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've and been so, showing, yeah, sorry. So I was gonna say, so do you think that, I um, mean, your style is very, very loose with your acrylics. Is that, is that based in kind of the history of watercolor or is that something that just sort of gradually evolved as you became a little bit more abstracted as you painted more? 
Right. Um, actually, when I started watercolor, I was I had a style that was quite loose. And then I think because I, I was teaching so many techniques and things like that, it got sort of tighter. And uh, when I started acrylics, they were a bit more traditional, if you want. Uh, I've never painted very realistically, uh, more of a, a stylized. Um, and I've been inching my way towards things that are a little bit more abstracted. But uh, uh, it's I don't do pure abstraction. I, well, I've tried, but <laughs> my mind is, sort of doesn't want to go there. Um, yeah. So sometimes I paint more loosely. Sometimes it's a little bit tighter, but it, it, you know, it all depends on the mood. It's interesting to me that, I mean, normally people go from kind of tight realism to abstract. And so it's interesting right. to me that you kind of, as you did more teaching, you got tighter and tighter and tighter, and then had to kind of, I guess, maybe re-embrace some of the looseness. And, and right, so that's kind right. of an interesting trajectory. Yeah, and that's what I've been doing the past. Well, my work in watercolor, always influenced my work in acrylics because that's how I started painting. So I still paint very thinly and very transparently. And I don't, there's not, uh, I don't work with a lot of texture. The texture comes from the, the brush strokes that I have evolved with the years. So um, like in watercolor, you can't, you, it's difficult to hide stuff and it's difficult to hide stuff in my paintings also. So uh if something goes wrong, I usually start over because, you know, trying to hide it just creates texture and things I don't like in the painting. So I'd rather get rid of it and just start over again. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I'm a bit like that, too, because I paint on the wood. If you put something down on the wood, it stains it. And so there's yeah. sometimes you can recover it. And sometimes it's just like, you know, I'm just going to put more and more time into something. It's just going to get worse and worse. <laughs> exactly. <call> <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I'm not I'm not the type to just over a painting and paint on top of it because the texture, the underlying texture will just ruin whatever I put on top of it. So uh, I start fresh. Yeah, it, it was very interesting because I hadn't actually seen your work in real life before. I'd seen it kind of on Instagram and stuff. And so when I got the piece, I was quite uh, amazed at how smooth it is because it looks so textural. And I kind of love that almost optical illusion of your work. Like right. You definitely have the sense of movement and texture and yet when you have it in your hands, it's much, uh, much smoother. It's kind of, yeah, it's really yeah. cool. Yeah. There's some passages that are thicker. I tend to dilute my paint a lot because I worked in watercolor and water. I tend to do that a lot again with the acrylics, but sometimes there's nice thicker passages and uh, that's cool too. And so do you typically then use uh, traditional acrylics or do you use liquid acrylics or what's your kind of go-to? Uh, yeah. Uh, sometimes I'll start with, uh, because when I start, I start very uh, thin and uh, w like a wash, like a watercolor wash. So uh, sometimes I, I start with liquid acrylics, uh, but mostly I just dilute the, uh, the regular ones, the, uh, the heavy, heavy body ones. Yeah. But it's I, I interesting. You go to the heavy body and then you liquid it down as opposed yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you like to give yourself a challenge. Of course. Why <laughs> not? That's right. <laughs> Why make it easy when I? <laughs> yeah. No, I just find it so interesting because I definitely. So for me too, I use the liquid acrylics. So the very, very, and I, I actually water it down with an airbrush medium, so it's really, really translucent. Okay. And then in the heavy body for the palette knife work, so it's got a lots of texture. So I find it just fascinating that we use pretty much the same materials with such an incredibly different. Um, oh yeah. Result. I mean, acrylics is 
so versatile. I mean, you can do, you can work like you would be working watercolors or very, very thick with mediums. Uh, it's the most versatile medium there is out there. So, uh, and it's great because, I mean, the color, the colors really uh, vibrate, you know, if you like a lot of colors. Uh, um, yeah. So <laughs> once I switched to acrylics, I never went back to, to watercolors. Yeah. That's cool. I guess that's part of the journey. And do you teach now still or not? Uh, I kept on teaching. Uh, when I switched to acrylics, I, I took a little breather because I was trying to work in a different medium and teaching watercolors. And uh, uh, I was having a hard time with that. So, But I, I took it up again. And uh, I've been doing, well, the past years, I've been doing more like uh, workshops and uh, weekend workshops and things like that in my studio. Um, but I stopped uh, last year because I, I do run, uh, I have in my house a couple of suites that we rent on uh, Airbnb. Hmm. So that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I so, bet. <laughs> so when I'm not busy with that, I'd rather be painting than teaching. So uh, I think yeah. I took my, my retirement from teaching. Well, I think that's fair. Like, I think something can be a lot of fun for a while. And then when you've taken everything you want out of it, then it becomes a chore. And I think once something like that, especially when it's related to your art, becomes a chore, yeah, it's pretty dangerous to continue. I think you do have to stop and yeah, remember well, it, the passion for the work. Right. It wasn't really a chore, but I mean, it was either teaching or painting. So uh, right. I've taught a lot and I enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think because I I taught so much and I started teaching early in my career, uh, I progressed really fast because to teach something, you really have to research it and, and learn about it, you know? Oh, yeah. And, uh, and you also learn a lot from your students. So, uh, yeah, that was a good experience. I, find it, I found it fascinating. I'm, I'm not a teacher and I'm not a very patient person, so I'd not make a good teacher. But um, <laughs> I do do these things, these creative adventures. So they were um, basically art, art experiences for non-artists. And what I found the most fascinating is you really have to think about the language and you forget how much you, as an artist, you've internalized about what you do and how you do it and why you do it. And then when you're teaching somebody, especially who doesn't have an art background, then I just have to kind of rethink that and refigure out how to articulate it. It's, yeah. it's a very interesting exercise. Yeah, because you start doing things like instinctively, you know, you don't <laughs> think about it. But when you're teaching it, you really have to explain it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the language even such that you can kind of talk about tone or value and you're talking to people who just don't, they know the words, but they don't really understand it to be able to actually kind of integrate it into their work. And I just find that was kind of, I mean, I think it does help you, like you're saying, to sort of inform a bit of your own work and start to be more conscious about some of the stuff you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've, as I said, I've done it a lot and I enjoyed it. And just thinking about it, talking about it makes me sort of, oh, maybe I should do it again. <laughs> but, so have you, I mean, now that, that COVID, uh, you know, obviously is with us for a little while longer, have you kind of considered doing kind of online teaching or? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people out there doing it and I think they're doing a good job. So uh, no, I'll yeah. just uh, keep on painting. <laughs> well, me too. And actually I like the in-person person part of it too as much as I like the uh the experience of teaching even within the creative adventures so I thought the same thing I like it feels like a bit of a different dynamic and I'm not sure I'm going to selfishly get as much out of it right right and teaching was uh, good uh, too because well you know when you're an artist you're you're working alone in a studio all day and uh so 
teaching is an, a social output also, you know, you can meet people and exchange with people. And I've made a lot of friends through my teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, oh, that's, all well, that's great. And so your work is inspired by nature, obviously. Right. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm assuming a lot of that is kind of inspired by where you live. Exactly. Well, the area here is surrounded by nature. I've always been a nature lover, going for walks and being in the woods and things like that. And I love birds and animals and flowers. And I'm an avid gardener also. So my, of course, my work's been influenced by that. I've, I've worked a lot. I've done a lot of florals, actually. I was mainly a floral painter. And I did a lot of still lifes before also with, you know, more... Uh, organized with fruits and flowers and uh, things like that. And um, a couple of years ago, I started experimenting, going back a little bit to landscape. I used to do a lot of winter landscapes when I was painting in watercolors. Uh So I started uh, going back to that and uh, I really enjoy it. I find it's a nice break from doing flowers all the time. And I've done so many flowers. Now it's like, hmm, how do I do them differently, you know? Well, it's interesting, too, because there does seem to be uh, quite a strong Quebec tradition of these winter landscapes with the bluey purple snow and, the, you know, the yeah. vertical trees. It's just it's interesting that uh, that you kind of integrated that because I found your color palette as I was looking through is kind of these really soft like grays and blues and real neutrals for your landscapes. And then your flowers were these bright yellows and oranges and pinks and gray, right, which I right. thought was kind of a lovely yeah. Kind of color combinations. Yeah, it's like a split personality. <laughs> I go neutral in the winter and then colorful in the summer. <laughs> so are you starting to get towards colorful as you're anticipating spring now? Yeah, yeah. I'm starting to work a little bit more on florals and adding, well, I'm, I'm in a lot of yellow right now. So um, yeah, I, lo- I noticed that I love yellow, yellow, that orangey yellow, cadmium yellow is just one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I say I put it on my toast, which is not true. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but don't you find you always have those colors that seem, somehow seem to sneak into every single painting, right? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I try to do a painting, well, uh, either a painting without yellow or without blue, but they're, they're my boat uh, go-to colors all the time. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was interesting too. I was looking at your Instagram and you had um, had something that had all the dots, the different colors dots, which I assume was taken from the paintings. It looked as if you'd kind of there'd been a sort of a scan the painting and then it was like almost it's like the dot pattern of the sizes of the colors that you were using oh that's the thing they have it's an app and uh, it analyzes what you've put on instagram and, and it gives you sort of your colors for the year or something like that it's uh, oh <laughs> i thought it was it was quite interesting because i thought it was interesting because of the fact that it was very much your winter colors like i didn't see a lot of the brights in there yeah, well, but, it de- yeah, it depends. But they have different options. You can choose a si- sort of uh, an option that that shows more of your brighter colors or more neutral colors. So there, there's different things you can choose from. Oh, that's cool. I'm going to try that. I think it'd be fun. Well, I know turquoise would be pretty strong, so that's not really yeah, much yeah, of a surprise. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember what it's called, but uh, I'll look it up and send it to you. <laughs> and so how do you, uh, I'm assuming you're obviously your full-time painter except for the Airbnb. So how do you right. structure your day in terms of kind of the obviously getting the business part done and the, the painting and customer conversations and all that kind of stuff? Right. Well, I, I'm, I try to work every day. So I'm up early and have breakfast and get to the studio and, and work. Um, I usually stop early afternoon because I'm 
tired <laughs> and go for a walk and something like that. Uh, often Sunday mornings, I'll, you know, update my website and uh, uh, things like that. Uh, I'll do gallery deliveries when it's necessary. But uh, um, yeah. It's mostly, galleries take care mostly of the sales. I do have visitors sometimes that come to my studio, but uh, most most of that is done uh, through uh, art galleries. So that kind of, cuts, I guess, cuts down on some of the administration you have to do. Like you're out, obviously outsourcing the administration to the galleries, which allows you more time in the studio. Yeah, and I used to do a lot of group shows, which, you know, you have to send uh, uh, pictures and this and that and but, um, well, there, there aren't any right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a challenge. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I've been mostly concentrating on, on gallery sales uh, more than uh, group art shows in the past few years. And so you haven't really had to kind of embrace the e-commerce digital stuff that a lot of artists have had to do done during, during COVID then, I guess? Um, not sure what you mean by e-commerce. Well, I... I post on Instagram and Facebook. That's that's about what I do. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. No. It's 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 interesting because I I just think that a lot of artists have certainly they've upped their game with Instagram and Facebook because uh, it becomes um, a much more of a marketing vehicle since we're not sort of seeing people in person. But I've certainly noticed a lot of artists in the last uh, last year have then added a store component to their websites. Right. Um, and there's always this balance between. Do you want to do that and have to worry about all the administration and stuff that goes with it? Um, or would you rather kind of just work with the galleries and let them do their job and you can kind of be in the studio, right? It's kind of... Right. Well, I have a website and it's uh, it's important to have a website and I update it frequently, but um, I don't do... Uh, I, don't, I don't want a web store. I think it competes with the galleries, especially I have galleries representing me that are here in town. So, uh, you know, I want to let them do the sales, not, uh, as I said, sometimes people will come to my studio, but uh, mostly the sales we, will be done uh, by the local galleries here. Mm-hmm. And you were saying that um, other than Paula White Diamond, your galleries are primarily in Quebec then? I have one here in uh, Gatineau in Elmer, uh, which I've been with for quite a while. And I have uh, one in Ottawa too, which is uh, Santini Gallery. And okay. I've, I've been with her uh, a few years also. Um, I've been in galleries in Montreal, in Quebec City, but uh, they closed. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't uh, actively search for galleries. I'm, I, well, you know, I, I work and I sell my work and um, it's going good. So, uh, so don't mess with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't mess with it. And it's it's like uh, most galleries I'm with or I've been with, they're the ones that saw me somewhere and contacted me and wanted to represent me. And so I just sort of go with the flow. Uh-huh. Well, that makes sense. Well, I think especially nowadays with having no control over anything, that's all you can do is go with the flow, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's just interesting. There seems to be almost a bit within the art world, a little bit of an invisible barrier between um, certainly Ontario and Quebec in terms of Quebec artists breaking into Toronto and Ontario and then vice versa. And I, I'm not sure, I'm sure why it is. It just seems to be, it seems to be different mm-hmm. uh, than, than exporting into other provinces. Maybe it's a language, maybe it's the style, maybe it's the, I think the Quebec um, yeah, patrons maybe. seem to appreciate color and texture maybe a bit more. It's a different thing. Yeah, well, Ontario artists use color and texture too. 
yeah. I don't know. Maybe it is it is the language barrier. I, I I'm not sure about that. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, just, I don't really have an answer to it either. <laughs> yeah, but okay. I, I've I've shown in the, uh, at a gallery also in the, uh, up near the Great Lakes. Uh, I I forget the name of the city. Um, but yeah, I've I've been around the block a little bit. <laughs> so, what do you have planned next? Like, if you say you're getting tired, a little bit tired of florals, are you kind of? I'm assuming that people love your florals, so it'd be hard not to yeah. do them anymore. But yeah. uh, are you are thinking of doing something else? Well, uh, I'm doing florals now. Last year, I started uh, doing more uh, sort of uh, skyscapes, also uh, landscapes, but with the accent on sky and clouds and things like that. So that's sort of a new exploration for me. So I'll probably be doing some of these and, and some florals. Uh, this time of year is always sort of a, a slower time for me because uh, when I switch from winter to spring, it's sort of, uh, I don't know, it's always, there's always an adaptation and it's a bit uh, harder for me to put out work. Um, mm -hmm. But uh It'll fall back into place. <laughs> Looking for inspiration, I guess. And new inspiration brings in... I sort of work in... Uh, I like working in small series, if you want. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll get inspired by something and do a, a small series. And usually the work I do uh, inspires me to do more work. Like I'll do a piece that I really like and I say, okay, well, I'll explore this a little bit more and... Uh, and so that's sort of the way it works out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a good way of doing it too. Like you sort of have, you, you play and figure out kind of, I don't know, figure your way through the pieces and, and through something a little bit different and new while still trying to retain your look and feel so you don't lose your client base and your galleries aren't all of a sudden shocked by right. something completely different, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> you this? Sure you manage that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so, uh, do, have you sort of changed the way you work, uh, sort of during COVID? Has it changed your general way of working, or is it honestly, like... I, I've been making jokes about this and saying, "Hasn't changed my life." <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the studio every day. No, actually, it's giving me more time because the Airbnb business has been much slower. So, no, I've had more time. It's just less. Uh, interaction with you know friends and other artists and things like that that that's missing but yeah. uh for my work actually it's given me more time to work well and i see that i think the bigger impact is the larger city if you're in a larger city you seem to be you know have more impact in your day-to-day -day life just because the cities are closed down more than the than being in the country right right or being kind of outside of the kind of the core of the city because mm -hmm. my sister's in Vancouver Island and she's doing all this fun stuff. And I'm like, oh, I can't do any of that stuff. I'm in the city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we've been pretty quiet here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the galleries have still, I mean, they were closed a little bit last uh, spring. and uh, But they were open a good part of the year last year. So we did have good sales. And uh, hopefully it will continue this year. And so you're saying that you're an avid gardener. So that must really kind of inspire your work too, in terms of color and design and yeah, inspiration. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've always had uh, a lot of gardens. I'm trying to cut back on that a little bit also because uh, uh, I heard everywhere when I garden. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, 
love of flowers and love of color has, uh, yeah, has inspired my work certainly a lot. And so do you use, like, do you literally grow plants in your garden so that you can actually cut them and use them in your florals or is it just sort of extrapolated? Uh, no, not necessarily. I plant, uh, I plant things I love, you know, uh, uh, uh perennials <laughs> yeah perennials and i just like uh, doing a garden is like composing a painting also you know you, you play with texture and uh, uh different colors and uh, shapes and things like that so it's just i think it's just an extension of my creativity creativity yeah. i don't necessarily use the garden for painting um but uh i use the garden for creating if you want <laughs> yeah no that makes total sense yeah. And do you have like a favorite flower or do you things oh, that you always put in? I have a couple, but I've, I've always uh, loved, I love daisies and I love tulips and these are the paint, the, the flowers I've probably painted more. Mm -hmm. um, and the last few years I started doing more um, mixed arrangements of flowers. Uh, I used to do paintings of just like just tulips or just daisies and things like that. But uh yeah, these are probably my two uh, favorite, but I, I, I've painted a lot of uh, kinds of flowers. Yeah. Yeah, I, I uh, enjoy gardening as well. And it's one of those uh, things that I, in the last few years, I haven't really had the time because at the same time you're supposed to be gardening, you're also getting prepared for all these summer outdoor shows, right? Exactly. So, yeah, so last year I was, you know, my garden looked really good. So now I have to <laughs> kind of continue <laughs> with that. Yeah, Hopefully. I mean... Painting takes up a lot of uh, time and energy, so it's uh, somewhere along the line you have to choose between what you want to do and uh, keeping time for painting and yeah. and the rest of your life also, you know. Well, I mean, really, too, if you're if you're a professional artist, you, you know, painting is your full time job. Like it's an amazing job, but there's the administration and everything else that goes around with having your time in your studio. And like with any job, you know, you then have to figure out what you're doing with your spare time gardening or spending time with family or hiking or whatever that happens on those off hours right yeah yeah and, and, and that's the trick right like the trick is if you're going to do it you can't kind of go into the studio you know for two days and paint for three hours like you have to really focus on oh yeah putting, putting have, that time in yeah you have to put the time in and uh what people don't realize is that we have to be good at everything. We have to be photographers. We have to be web designers. We have, you know, marketers. We have to do it all because if you start paying people to do that, I mean, it, no way you're going to make it. Um, yeah. So uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of things to do. <laughs> it's a lot of things well, I mean, to really, learn. Really, art, artists are entrepreneurs, right? I mean, you, right. like you say, you kind of have to have all these different pieces and it's like, there's always going to be things you're better at and not so great at, like exactly HST taxes. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. I love to outsource all that stuff. <laughs> hate that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's an integral part of the business that you have to incorporate into your studio time, right? So exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, there's studio time, and then there's promotion time, and then there's uh, tax time. and uh, Yeah, and they all, all the administration bucket that seems to take up a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that all goes into our uh, work schedule, and uh, people don't realize that when they, especially when they look at a painting and they ask you how long it's t it took you to, to, to make it. Uh, yeah, well, I especially always, if you have a, especially in a style like yours, too, that... Um, 
it looks as if it's just like, oh, it can't have taken that long because it's only a few swipes, right? Not appreciating, first of all, the layers that go into it and the expertise to kind of get it to that point. And I love it when you're at those outdoor shows and people are like, well, if the painting only took this many hours and you're charging this much for it, this is your hourly rate. And you're like, I wish, but no. (laughs) Yeah, I I always tell people, I mean, uh, a painting starts before you put a brush to the canvas, you know, there's, there's uh, thinking, about, thinking of ideas, uh, making sketches, uh, uh, mixing paint, uh, you know, there's a lot of things, then you have to photograph it, then you have to varnish it, then, you know, it, it all counts, you know, as, yeah. uh, as work. I know. And it's, it's funny because actually it's almost like the actual painting piece of it is a, is a small portion of the whole sort of level of what you have to do to get a painting from original conception out into the world. Exactly. Yeah. So if you had um, one piece of business advice to give to an emerging artist, what would you say to them? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big question. I I find, uh, I find it that emerging artists are lucky these days because of social media, you know, they have this opportunity to get their work out there instantly you know and having people see it like when I started we had none of that I mean we had maybe two group shows a year you know so I mean you're painting and painting and painting and you have a show and you sell a couple of pieces and then you're six months again before someone you hope it's not a snowstorm on opening night right (laughs) yeah exactly so I mean our progress was much slower uh, than what people can have now you know you start posting on instagram and get some likes and uh, someone likes your stuff uh, uh, they'll buy it and the gallery sees your things and they like it and they they might you know take you on uh so that i find that part is much easier for them um but mostly it's just uh you know take the time do the work learn the basics and be true to yourself that's when I, when I come into my studio every morning, I, I say to myself, you know, it's been almost, it's been 30 years. And I say to myself, I'm going in the studio to learn to paint. And uh, it's it. That's it. It's a lifelong journey. And, yeah. yeah. I think it's really important, the point you made, though, about being true to yourself as well. Like it's sort of, you have to, you have to develop a thick skin as an artist and you have to appreciate no matter what you do, there's going to be people that love it. And there's going to be people that hate it. And those people that hate it are often somehow love to be very vocal about why they think you're, <laughs> you have no talent and your work is crap. Right. right. <laughs> so you have to be able to just sort of roll over you and kind of go, okay, that's cool. That's your opinion. It doesn't affect, you know, what I want to do and how I feel like I want to communicate my vision to the world. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I, I as I was saying before, uh, social media is an advantage, but I think uh, people have to be careful because it can, be, it can also be a disadvantage because you're fed so much information and images about other people's work that uh, I think, you know, it can influence your work in a way that's not true to you. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of... Or you start you, to question. I think sometimes yeah, you, you start to question start what to- you're doing and question what you're doing and compare your work to others and a lot of people try to imitate others also so uh that's that's dangerous you know that's always been uh uh difficult to overcome you know when you start trying to paint like someone else mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there was an interesting post on one of the Facebook groups I'm part of, and they were saying that uh, somebody, an artist, had was really upset with a client of hers because this client had taken one of her pieces of art that she really loved, and she sent it to one of those paint-by-numbers things oh. to have it done. So then she was able to do a paint-by-numbers of this artist's work, right? And then she sent it to the artist kind of going, oh, my God, I'm so excited. I have one of your pieces. And she, the artist is like, holy shit. Like, do you have no sense of how completely yeah. illegal that is to steal someone's intellectual property and... Yeah, well, people people aren't aware of uh, copyrights and things like that. You know, they they're just not aware of it. Yeah, and you know they're not aware of it because they send you these emails because they're so excited. So it's like obviously if they <laughs> felt it was you know if they weren't supposed to do it, they wouldn't do that. But right. yeah, that's I think that is one of the other challenges that people kind of get the sense that if it's on social media, that somehow it's free game to take and mm -hmm. use and and stuff. It's like well, no, it's still. You know, it's still the artist still owns the copyright. You don't have to actually formally copyright it. You still own the copyright. But it's also right. just invariably disrespectful just to steal someone else, lift someone else's stuff and print it off on your color printer and stick it on your wall. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you can... Ultimately, I don't sure you can really stop it. Like, I know there are some artists that, cop, that put a watermark on it, but... Honestly, I think if you're good at Photoshop, you could probably take that out if you wanted to anyway. So I'm not sure that's even worth the time. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. anyway, well, there, there's so much stuff out there like at Walmart or uh, HomeSense, you know, that uh, that's printed on sort of cardboard and really cheap and uh, that people can put on their walls. So uh, mm -hmm. that's what a lot of people do. But uh, Which I think if they want to do it, that's totally fine. I think it's just a, it's an understanding that there's a difference between that yeah. and a piece that's an original piece that someone has taken a lot of time and energy and thinking to kind of put together. Right. right. So, well, uh, people, I think when people start buying original art, they, they really can feel and see the difference. I always say there's you know, an original piece of painting, uh, painting has, it has your energy in it. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And once people, you know, there's a learning curve to that. And once people, start buying real art, you know, original art, then they see the difference and they, they appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that some of it too, some people grew up around original art. Artists tend to be of that group too, where, you know, I don't know about you, but like I had original art in the house and, you know, my parents had original art. So you kind of, that's what you're growing up with. So you kind of appreciate it right from a very young age, but other people don't. And so they have to kind of learn that uh, in their own way. And I think that's again, where, you know, outdoor shows and environments that are really not threatening to help them learn about kind of the right. difference between original art is really valuable. Right. And there's so much original art out there uh, mm -hmm. that it's easy for someone <laughs> to, you know, to start collecting. Yeah, exactly. Like things like these square foot shows where, sure, you know, the work is reasonably priced. Um, exactly. And, you know, you can kind of start to build a collection and start to kind of get a sense of after you live with the piece for a while, like what do you really love and where do you want to kind of continue your exploration for your collection, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I had people come to gallery uh, openings and tell me, this is the first time I, I come to a gallery, you know, I was always, uh, you know, afraid before to go into a gallery and be, uh, you know, just uh, feel self-conscious or, or something like that. So, so people around us, you know, when I started painting, uh, I didn't come from a family of artists or, or art collectors, but uh, because I started painting, well, they started 
buying things from me. Well, I gave them a lot. <laughs> and then they started buying from me and some other artists, you know, so that was sort of uh, an, an education for them, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I guess that's the advantage of social media. It allows it to, the playing field is a bit more even, right? Like you don't have to go to a gallery now anymore. You can see this stuff exactly. on your phone. And you yeah. can start to get, build your own sense of what, what resonates with you. Yeah, which is it's, pretty fun. Yeah, it's fun and easy to do. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we're kind of almost out of time. And I just All wanted right. you, I was going to ask you one, I always ask this question. So uh, what would your big hairy ass goal be if money and time were no option? To die with a paintbrush in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a cool answer. <laughs> uh, I haven't I just, had that one before. <laughs> yeah, no, I just... Uh, want to keep on painting and just be healthy enough to do it and uh, being able to do it every day and just feel free to express, you know, whatever I feel like expressing that day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, um, yeah, that's, that's the, that's a good goal. That's, that's it. I guess that's why your gardens are getting smaller so that you don't yep. screw up your back so you can paint more, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I have to prioritize. I am not uh, 30 years old anymore. So. <laughs> I wish, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And maybe just uh, share with everybody your Instagram handle, your website, how people can find your work. Great. Well, thank you for the invitation, Kate. It was uh, a pleasure. It was really fun. Yeah, I enjoyed getting to know more about you. <laughs> okay. Well, have a good day. Thanks, you too. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, okay. bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so uh, I appreciate that. That was really great. I really enjoyed talking to Danielle, and she can be reached at uh, daniellepare.com, and, uh, and you can see her follow her Instagram, which is also Danielle Pare. so that would be kind of fun. And uh, next week, we've got uh, Holly Friesen followed by Julie DeBoer. So uh, both landscape painters, but very different styles. So I think you'll really enjoy um, both of them. And I'm hoping that Julie will also talk a little bit about her mentoring leveling up program, which I think will also be really great. And uh, in a few weeks, we have Lisa Spanos from Blink. I've had a lot of uh, calls and emails and questions about um, the Blink art book and being part of Blink, which is a... Uh, a book that goes out to art collectors and dealers and art buyers in primarily in the US. So anyway, so Lisa's going to come and talk a little bit about her business and how she's kind of created her business with uh, multiple galleries in Cincinnati, the Blink book and um, and basically how it can potentially help you. So anyway, I'm just going to say thank you so much for joining me. It looks like spring is around the corner, which is super exciting, and I will uh, talk to you next week. If you want to hear about any back episodes, they will be on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Kate Taylor Art. We'll be on, on Instagram as well as Facebook. And I am slowly in the process of uh, uploading them onto the podcast, Talking to Artists, which is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's just taking longer than I expected to get rid of all my ums. So anyway, have a wonderful day and we will talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. <music>